Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch into the first hour of the program tonight. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. I'm going to start things out tonight with a story I mentioned last night, and just we got derailed by phone calls and uh, never got to it. And it is a story that needs to be told. So we'll start with it. Uh, it's from SOT.net, S-O-T-T dot net. It's the story of Eva, I'm going to have a tough time with this last name, Arnadottir. She is from Iceland. And this is written in her words. She tried to come and visit the United States for a a bit of a fun time with some of her friends. And, well, it turned out to be anything but a fun time. No fun in the U.S. During the last 24 hours, I have probably experienced the greatest humiliation to which I have ever been subjected. During these last 24 hours, I have been handcuffed, chained, Denied my chance to sleep, been without food and drink, and been confined to a place without anyone knowing my whereabouts. Imprisoned. Now I'm beginning to try to understand all this, rest and review the events which began as innocently as possible. Last Sunday, I and a few other girls began our trip to New York. We were going to shop and enjoy the Christmas spirit. We made ourselves comfortable on first class, drank white wine, and looked forward to going shopping, eating good food, and enjoying life. So... Vacation with a girlfriend. Sounds like a good time. When we landed at JFK Airport, the traditional clearance process began. We were screened and went on to passport control. As I waited for them to finish my uh, examining my passport, I heard an official say there was something which needed to be looked at more closely, and I was directed to the workstation of Homeland Security. There, I was told that according to their records, I had overstayed my visa by three weeks in 1995. That's over 10 years ago. 13 years ago? Yeah. Okay. For this reason, I would not be admitted into the country and would be sent home on the next flight. I looked at the official in disbelief and told them that I had, in fact, visited New York after the trip in 1995 without encountering any difficulties. A detailed interrogation session ensued. I was photographed and fingerprinted. I was asked questions which I felt had nothing to do with the issue at hand. I was forbidden to contact anyone to advise of my predicament, and although I was invited at the outset to contact the Icelandic consul or embassy, that invitation was later withdrawn. I still don't know why. I, was I don't then, know how they can withdraw it. Well, they're in charge, see? They have guns and you're in handcuffs, so they can do whatever they want. I was then made to wait while they sought further information and sat on a chair before the authority for five hours. I saw the officials in this section handle other cases, and it was clear that these were men anxious to demonstrate their power. Small kings with megalomania. I was careful to remain completely cooperative, for I did not yet believe that they planned to deport me because of my crime. When five hours had passed, and how, da- how dare these people try to come here and enjoy good food? How dare they try to come and visit museums and have a good time with their girlfriends? Right, and, you know, enjoy, uh, you know, the businesses in this country and, and hanging out here. Can you imagine the, the hubris that somebody might want to visit the United States and be a tourist and patronize businesses? Well, when five hours had passed and I'd been awake for 24 hours, I was told that they were waiting for officials who would take me to some kind of a waiting room. There I'd be given a bed to rest in, some food, and I would be searched. What they thought they might find, I can't possibly imagine. If 
Finally, guards appeared who transported me to the new place. I saw the bed as if in a mirage, for I was absolutely exhausted. What turned out was something else. I was taken to another office, exactly like the one where I'd been before, and once again a long wait ensued. In all, it turned out to be five more hours. At this office, all my things were taken from me. I succeeded in sending a single text message to worried relatives and friends when I was granted a bathroom break. After that, the cell phone was taken from me. After I'd been sitting in... Take, what, what? They don't want her communicating with her... Is she under arrest? She's definitely being detained. And po- probably, I mean, if you're, if you're in a, uh, some sort of detention area in handcuffs being paraded around, that sounds like an arrest to me. It feels, I'm, certain, I'm certain it felt like one. I mean, maybe it's not an arrest because they're in the process of deporting her, but I don't know what that status is called. If you are a, an immigration expert and you want to clue us in, 800-259-9231. So they took the cell phone. After I'd been sitting, sitting there for five hours, I was told they were now waiting for guards who would take me to a place where I could rest and eat. There I was placed in a cubicle which looked like an operating room. Attached to the walls were four steel plates, probably intended to serve as a bed and a toilet. I was exhausted, tired, and hungry. I didn't understand the officials' conduct, for they were treating me like a very dangerous criminal. You know, people that overstay their visa by three weeks, uh, apparently, those are suspected criminals. Because we all know that criminals... Oh, wait a minute. No, if you're a criminal, you'd probably be very, very careful to not break the laws. You'd probably... I mean, if you were an actual criminal or a terrorist, you'd probably want to make sure your visa was in tip-top shape, so as to not... Uh, encounter suspicion like this. But nonetheless, uh, she says here, soon thereafter I was removed from that cubicle and two armed guards placed me up against a wall. A chain was fastened around my waist and I was handcuffed to the chain. Then my legs were placed in chains. You ever had your legs shackled, Mark? Yes. Where were you? Prison. Mm. I asked for permission to make a telephone call, but they refused. So secured, I was taken from the airport terminal in full sight of everybody. I've seldom felt so bad, so humiliated, and all because I'd taken a longer vacation than allowed under the law. They wouldn't tell me where they were taking me. The trip took close to one hour, and although I couldn't see clearly outside the vehicle, I knew that we'd crossed over into New Jersey. We ended up in front of a jail, and I could hardly believe this was happening. Was I really about to be imprisoned? I was led insi- uh, inside the chains, and yet there... I was led inside in chains, and yet... And there, yet another interrogation and session ensued. Session ensued. I was fingerprinted once again and photographed. I was made to undergo a medical examination. I was searched, and then I was placed in a jail cell. I asked absurd questions. I, I was asked absurd questions, such as, When did you have your last period? What? What do you believe in? Have you ever tried to commit suicide? I was completely exhausted, tired, and cold. Fourteen hours after I'd landed, I finally had something to eat and drink for the first time. I was given porridge and bread, but it didn't help much. I was afraid, and the attitude of all who handled me was abysmal, to say the least. Do you know what porridge is? No. Me either. I think it's oatmeal. It's some sort of British thing, yeah? yeah but it was here in the United States. Yeah, oh. it's some kind of, like, gruel almost. Like a grainy <laughs> soup. I think it's oatmeal. Sounds like a really a high-quality food they're, they're handing out here to these prisoners. Uh, these suspects, I guess you could say. Anyway, she says, uh, they didn't speak to me as much as snap at me. Really, customer service, very important to these government bureaucrats. Mm. Uh, just being rude in general, because they can. It doesn't matter if, I mean, they can be as rude as they want to. What are you going to do, complain? They don't care. 
Once again, I was asked to make a te- or I asked to make a telephone call, and this time the answer was positive. I was relieved, but the relief was short-lived, for the telephone was set up for collect calls only, and it was not possible to make overseas calls. Remember, she's from Iceland. The jail guard held my cell phone in his hand. I explained to him that I couldn't make a call from the jail telephone and asked to be allowed to make one call from my own phone. That was out of the question. I spent the next... This could be a detonator. (laughs) I spent the next nine hours in a small, dirty cell. The only thing in there was a narrow steel board which extended out from the wall, sink, and toilet. I wish I never experienced again in my life the feeling of confinement and helplessness which I experienced there. I was hugely relieved when, at last, I was told I was to be taken to the airport. That is to say, until I was again handcuffed and chained, then I could no more. I could take no more and broke down and cried. Right, because you know, she's going to run away on her way to the airport where she's going to be set free. I begged them to at least leave out the leg chains this time, but my request was ignored. When we arrived at the airport, another jail guard took pity on me and removed the leg chains. Even so, I was led through a full airport terminal, handcuffed and escorted by armed men. I felt terrible. On seeing this, people must think that there goes a very dangerous criminal. In this condition, I was led up into the Icelandair waiting room and was kept handcuffed until I entered the embarkation corridor. I was completely run down by all this in both body and spirit. Fortunately, I could count on good people, and uh, both the captain and the crew did all they could to try to assist me. My friend was in close contact with my sister. The embassy had been contacted. However, all had received misleading information, and all had been told that I'd been detained at the airport terminal, not that I'd been put in jail. She says now the foreign ministry is looking into the matter, and she hopes to receive some explanation as to why she was treated in this way. Now then... That's I'll tell you of, why. Because our uh, our whole customs and TSA agency is just out of control. Let's talk about it here in moments. 800-259-9231. If you've got a story, love to hear you share it. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Those features include, by the way, live streams. We've got broadband versions and dial-up versions of the show. Head over to freetalklive.com. Enjoy those for free on us. Once again, uh, to tune into live streams, freetalklive.com. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 9th through the 15th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to meet hundreds of individuals who, just like you, cherish liberty and are living the goal of liberty in our lifetime. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Learn more at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. The story is from a lady in Iceland who had apparently come to the United States back in 1995. And at that time, she apparently stayed a little bit longer than she uh, her visa was to allow her to stay. She stayed three weeks longer. Uh, she was there on vacation at the time. She decided that, I don't know, maybe she it She likes the United States? Yeah, maybe <laughs> she didn't think it was that big of a deal at that time, and maybe it wasn't. Uh, and so she stuck around. Well, now she decided she wanted to come back. How dare she decide she wants to come back and visit New York City again and spend money in our economy? I mean, how the hubris of this woman. Who does she think she is? 
that's at least the attitude of the government, because they then proceeded to take her and lock her into several different detaining facilities, one in the airport itself. Uh, she was moved from cubicle to cubicle, to, from cell to cell, uh, moved eventually to a jail in New Jersey, where she was held for another nine hours before they actually ended up taking her back. I mean, this was like, she was held for... About 24 hours, uh, basically, fed once, uh, and then put on an airplane to go back to Iceland. And yelled at, shackled, just treated like dirt. Let's let's try to step back for a second and look at this. Now, um... You know, these people have their rules, and obviously they they didn't deviate from them because they they transported her in every manner, like she was like like she had bombed the World Trade Center. Yeah. Um. So I can understand them doing their jobs, but it seems a little crazy to me, like a little nuts, to have this level of um, detainment and incarceration and uh, sort of punishment and scare tactic for somebody who's you know coming here to spend money yeah. and. You know, the way you would differentiate those, I, I suppose that one of the terrorists may have overstayed their visa at one point or another, but does that mean that everybody who overstayed their – the terrorists had telephones, too. Everybody's got a telephone. The terrorists – you know, everybody had beards. Everybody that had a beard. I, what, what is the – you know, I don't know. It's so nuts. It just yeah, doesn't make nuts. any sense. I don't it's think nice. we have too many terrorists coming out of Iceland either, which, you know, yeah, if you actually not. apply common sense to it, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And you think if they were j- simply going to deny her entry to the United States, they'd simply say, sorry, you can't come in, you're on the next plane out. Why detain her for such a long period of time and perhaps question her? It, I mean, perhaps the next plane wasn't until the next day. Yeah, perhaps, but uh, I, you think you could just let her sit in the office and not shackle her and take her to jail in New Jersey. Yeah, but, uh, you know, that would require them to be humane and actually act like human beings would want to be treated uh, or act in the way they might want to be treated. If they're going to detain her, there's probably no manner to detain her that uh, doesn't, you know, that... she she can't as far as they're concerned she can't cross from you know that across the cr- customs line otherwise they've lost her and then they've uh, then they're in big trouble so i can see detaining her i i can't see the you know that and and the whole the shackling thing i mean that's that's just what they do you know, that's that's what they do. Well, you, you're only seeing this, Mark, in the perspective of this is their job, and it's their job that's insane. It's their job that's the problem. Their job is to uh, to screen all these potential individuals that want to come here and either move to make a better life for themselves or just come here and enjoy a vacation. Uh, the idea that these people should be subject to any of this scrutiny is absurd. Do you think that the people on the ground, the TSA agents, customs agents, whatever, on the ground right there made any mistakes? Well, they made a mistake by taking the job they're, they're okay. doing. They so they're, do they're involved in the uh, the monolith. I, I I get that, but what I'm trying to critique and what tr- trying to figure out is what can we do otherwise? Um, Besides abolish the TSA and return airport security to the airports themselves, I would do that. But maybe maybe a step in between because customs has uh, you know traditionally been a government issue. This isn't just a TSA issue. This is a uh, customs okay, it's issue. Okay, customs. Too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, governments handle those things. So what do we do? I think that, first off, I mean, you're talking about an Icelandic national, not just a person who's come through Iceland, but, you know, she's got blonde hair, everybody. Her last name's <laughs> Icelandic. Yeah. Um, it's pretty clear that we're not dealing with 
you know, uh, Osama bin Laden here. But you can't jump to conclusions, though, Mark. If your job is to screen for potential troublemakers, right. she's a rule breaker and uh, therefore should be treated like uh, like a lawbreaker. I certainly don't want to give them any room on this, but I'm trying to figure out something that, um, you know, some other way that this could be handled. And the, the, there's no other way beyond just paring down the bureaucracy and getting rid of it entirely. Because as long as you allow government to exist, it will always trend well, in the direction of increasing uh, its control over others. Well, it'll... You can say it trends in that direction, but it hasn't always been to this extent. We haven't always had a security climate like we have now. I think if she had come before 2001, I think she would have either we would have let her through because she it said that that it happened. She said she'd visited after 1995, right. and, and no problems. Right. So it, it, you get through fine. But the American people, by and large, most of them, um, a lot of them anyway, if not most, want a security climate like this. They feel that we're unsafe without having this kind of absurd security, and that's yeah. where the real problem lies. That is the problem, we, in the we, hearts and minds of Americans. I mean, we can blame the TSA agents for taking the job, but, you know, there's there's a lot more to overcome in the general public than just Absolutely. the TSA. Right. Well, the TSA, the Customs Department, is never going to get phased down unless we can change the uh, the minds of Americans and help them understand what liberty is all about and why freedom works, where this uh, sec- the security state is just more of uh, security theater than anything else. They're not actually being kept safe. It's just inconveniencing people and driving people away from this country. Because the other side of this story is that this isn't an unusual case. Not terrible. There have been plenty of people that have come here to try to go on vacation or go on some business trip and have been harassed by the government officials in this country and it has it has pissed them off so much that they've just thrown in the towel on America. They've said, right. screw this. We're not having our business meetings here anymore. We're not coming back here to go to, to Disney World. We can go to Disney World in, in Europe if we want to. You know, we're not going to come here on vacation. We have no use for this United States anymore. And as And in fact... Visitation has dropped dramatically, right. precipitously. It's, it's down 20 percent, and um, you know there was a, a you know sort of a poll held among people that were visiting the country, and 33 percent of them, the ones after the 20 percent drop, mm-hmm. had said they're never coming back. I don't know how many right. of them actually will, but uh, you know, do we want that for our businesses? Do we want that as far as tourism in the United States? I know that some people really don't care because their business doesn't rely on that, but. That what they don't understand is we're becoming a, a pariah. Uh, we're becoming the crotchety old man down the street of the world. Yeah, but it's worse than that. Because the crotchety old man doesn't abduct young women off the uh, front sidewalk. And Get off my lawn, Ted. Take them into their house and molest them. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. If you want to talk about your airport experience... Especially if you've been traveling internationally, we'd love to hear from you. 800-259-9231. Otherwise, we'll tell you about the 10-finger scanners that are coming to an airport near you. Scientists have discovered a human hormone that increases people's trust in each other, oxytocin. And for the first time, with Liquid Trust, you can harness this power. Buy Liquid Trust now at 800-507-3718 or liquidtrustspray.com. Use code FTL to get free shipping. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. Bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free. 
So enjoy those on us. Uh, and they include the updates. Get signed up. Keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. It's free, of course. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employers are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. And do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. 1-800-259-9231. All right, so we've started the, the hour out by talking about this horrific story from a uh, an Icelandic woman who just tried to come here to enjoy a vacation with some girlfriends. She was stopped, harassed. Uh, subjected to torturous conditions. Uh, they they weren't feeding her. They were just tr- just sh- treating her awful, uh, shackling her, moving her from place to place, and uh, you know depriving her of sleep. I mean, it was just an awful situation. All because she wanted to come here to this country, and it just really shows how draconian and frightening the process to come here has become. And it's really it really points out why so many people from around the world are not interested in coming back to the United States. What was the word you used? Pariah? Before? That was the word. Yeah. People are sick and tired of being treated like trash. They're sick and tired of being treated like uh, criminals when they haven't done anything wrong. Okay, she stayed a little later on her visa back in 1995. And she'd been here uh, between 95 and now. Right. To, you know, I assume visit New York and spend some money. So it's an outrageous story, and it's not the only one out there. In fact, uh, we're going to talk here in a little bit about the new technology that you might see coming to an airport near you that's going to involve scanning your fingerprints. Not in the way that you might have thought they were going to be scanning your fingerprints. They're going to be doing all ten. We'll give you the details. Uh, First, we go to the phones, though. Talk to Philip in California. Philip, you're on Free Talk Live. Philip? California, Philip, going once. Hello, 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 Philip. You're on the air. What's on your mind? Oh, hey. Um, first, I I want to talk about uh, public schools, but really, just first, I want to uh, bring in my two cents about travel security. You know, not only is the TSA, is the TSA just like a huge, you know, it invades our liberties, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but also it's completely inefficient. You know, like um, my brother actually, big mistake. Oh my God, he could have gotten in so much trouble. He walked through a security checkpoint twice um, with firecrackers in his pocket and you know, they didn't get in yeah so <laughs> well there's no metal in a firecracker yeah i know we have the you know and this the bureaucrats that just love to uh flaunt their power but so, they do have those but, you know they sniffing machines catch things like that. that's true they do have the bomb sniffing machines like, but not everyone goes through yeah, those. only at the huge airports right and you know it's it's lucky that he didn't go through one of those things because he probably wouldn't have uh, thought yeah, about yeah. it and that would have sure set it off how often does the bomb sniffing machine go off you know i've never seen it right but um, I'd l- just like to talk about um, schools, and I sure. moved from uh, South Carolina to California, and I find it's pretty much the same. You know, we have just – I hear you guys talking about indoctrination, and I totally, completely agree. You know, not only are public schools completely philosophically legitimate in and of themselves, but, you know, they're totally misinforming the public, and they have compulsory attendance. You know, we have – they love talking about uh, things like the – their cause of the Great Depression. It was, you know, blame it on socialism, of course. I know, it's socialism, capitalism, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, – have um you know oh definitely the new deal they totally love bringing that up and you're talking about how you know the government is supposed to protect us and you know especially economically at the cost of our liberties and it's just sure i just want to bring that up oh you're absolutely right i mean when it comes to government high school they uh, and is that what you're referring to right high schools 
Oh, yes. When it comes to government school, they are constantly essentially praising the presidents and the government people of the past who did the most to expand the state. And that's why Abraham Lincoln and FDR are the most lauded of uh, the, pre- the past presidents, because their, they were, their presidencies were huge, tremendous steps in the increase of the size of the state and the power of the government over our lives. Of course, with Lincoln, uh, he preserved the Union uh, by force, uh, by, you know, killing hundreds of thousands of Americans in order to preserve this political uh, setup known as the United States. Uh, That was a a huge precedent-setting event in in this country's history. And then, of course, as you mentioned, FDR with the New Deal and all kinds of socialist wealth redistribution programs uh, being put into play. Bad oh news. yeah, and uh, totally. And you know, it's kind of interesting as you you know bring up you know, hey, well, let's talk about capitalism. And they're like, well, we tried laissez-faire capitalism in you know the 1800s. And I'm like, no, you didn't. You nope. had even by even by the mid 1800s, you have you have tariffs, you have you know huge you know national bank, you know just massive uh, intervention in the economies. You can't call that laissez-faire. No. You certainly so, can. Yeah. So, are you still in high school in California? Uh, yeah, I'm a junior. Oh wow! Okay, all right. So uh, just uh, kind of got into the libertarian movement and started actually a libertarian club in my school, but unfortunately, there's no libertarian teachers to be our <laughs> advisor. So we have a um, some guy who actually votes communist to be our advisor. Oh great! Oh, oh well, yes. At least you got one, I guess, because they <laughs> yeah, won't allow you to form a club unless you have a teacher to sponsor it, right? Yeah. Got so it. how do you know that there's no libertarian teachers? I mean, how? how what, well, actually, what do you t- I went around talking to many, uh, to many of them, and some of them actually share my views. Some of them have uh, done that, but the few that actually would even be considered close to uh, believing in free markets and you know liberty, personal liberty, uh, they all were already advisors to clubs, or they weren't interested. So I see. Yeah, I kind of figured that there would be a, a you know, there's got to be somebody out there that it, it, it believes in uh, economic freedom to some extent. So, you so I'm really curious, you said you're a junior in high school. That probably puts you at, what, 16, 17 years old? Yeah, 17. So what was it that uh, turned you on to the liberty movement? Actually, I had been talking to a friend who uh, was a, you know, he was a big, you know, independent. You know, I was, uh, it's, it still kind of amazes me. I used to be like a big, hardcore neoconservative. I now look at those guys and I'm like, wow, was I really that stupid? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was kind of, no, seeing the, you know, I was seeing, you know, they're all talking about free markets, right? And I started thinking that, you know, how can... That's kind of contradictory. You talk about freedom in the marketplace, but not freedom in, uh, you know, per, as far as personal liberties. Mm. And, you know, especially in schools, you know, we, for example, the Republican Party now is, you know, totally for big government control of schools, especially at the federal level. Yeah. You know, no child left behind, et cetera. And I'm like, you know, this doesn't make any sense. And Ron Paul on the Internet and took off. Oh, there you go. So it was, was it, uh, it was Ron Paul that kind of led you this way? Uh, yeah, Ron Paul was like the final thing that kind of pulled it all together, and I'm like, wow, there's one solid philosophy that kind of, you know, makes sense. How long did it take you to to understand the philosophy? Not very long, or was it a relatively Actually, I kind of just jumped headfirst into it. I've been reading a lot of, you know, Ludwig von Mises and Murray Rothbard and stuff, and just absolutely brilliant economists. Oh, and Bastiat, too. Oh, very good. Sounds like you're well on your way to uh, to understanding liberty and freedom, and uh, congratulations, dude. Any other thoughts tonight? Uh, no. 
Let us know what happens with your Libertarian Club, and if you have any other uh, interesting encounters with your teachers at school. It's always interesting to hear uh, from young people in America that are still inside the government indoctrination camps. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. Appreciate it. Yeah, 800-259-9231. Well, I actually I met up with a former uh, colleague of mine from our government indoctrination center um, on the street when we were doing just before the primaries here in New Hampshire, and we I was doing a sign wave for Ron Paul, mm-hmm. and he used to be a, a big time neoconservative. We used to talk politics in high school, used to argue a lot, and he's actually been reading Ayn Rand, and he's he said he was actually starting to lean towards Ron Paul, and he interesting, you know, I I just kind of said, oh that's cool, but he was the one who kept talking to me mm-hmm. about Ayn Rand and about free markets and freedom of choice for like 30 minutes so wow nice it's, it's good to see so you know if you're still in high school he was trying to convert you well uh, <laughs> maybe he was trying to get me to be an objectivist um but if you're still in high school uh, don't be afraid to to argue with your teachers the best thing yeah. you, the What's best the worst they can do to you well the, the best thing you can do is to be well read because they'll try to talk down to you but sometimes especially if they're a new teacher if you read you know strongly into the subject matter you do your own reading sometimes you'll know more than they do i mean no offense to i know there's some good public high school teachers out there but a lot of them don't know all that much they just I'd out like of to college and they have a teaching degree if you can if you can out talk them you can embarrass them in front of the classroom Absolutely. and that's what i like to do and, and well it, arguing is probably not the way to go about it exactly you know try to be more convincing and and you know use as few you statements as possible but More on the way. This is your show. You can bring up anything. 800-259-9231. Keep talking about dealing with statist authoritarian teachers here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The feature's there. We give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And by the way, you can also uh, help support the show by becoming an amplifier. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The idea is you send in 3 bucks a month. We take the money in, turn it right back around, reinvest it into the show, and get more radio stations on board, thereby more people would be able to hear the message of freedom and liberty. And that's important. Uh, Plus, you get perks like access to the amp-only call-in-line chat room, forum, and more. All the details at amp. .freetalklive.com. We were talking a moment ago with a uh, young man who is in the government education or indoctrination system, whatever you'd like to call it, out in California, and he was talking about how it was very difficult, for instance, to find a liberty-minded teacher uh, in order to sponsor a, a libertarian club that he wanted to create on campus, and was just generally talking about encountering uh, socialist authoritarian teachers in class and and how to handle those those situations and we were going around talking about that a moment ago i wanted to just continue that because you don't really the great thing about our position about the the pro liberty position is you don't really need to know all of the historical facts in order to make a persuasive point how can you know all the historical facts? Right. There'd be no way for you to know everything. Uh, I mean, Nick comes close. He seems to have uh, like a uh, no, internal compendium of, of history. I don't at all. I just, <laughs> I have, I know more than what they teach at the public high schools, which yes. beats about 95% of Which means you know days. way more than I do. I can tell you that. 
but but you don't need to know all that. It's helpful. It's useful. Uh, but what you really just need to know the basic principles of of liberty and and you know the non-initiation of force and and why it is that government is force and why government doesn't work and many of these things are easy to understand. And if you just read a few books or familiarize yourself with a, with a few different topics, you can pretty much knock them out of the you know any points they try to make the authoritarians you can just knock them out of the, the park that's true but what like specifically if you're in a history class or a social studies class because that's usually where where this comes up the the teacher is going to try to lead the students many times not all of them but a lot of times if you have a leftist leaning teacher or a status leaning teacher they're going to try to lead the students to a conclusion they're going to take for example the the conditions in the factories in the 1800s and they're going to try to lead them to the conclusion that free market capitalism causes these awful conditions, so you have to regulate the market. But if you can, even if you can't convince everybody that you're necessarily right, you can at least put the idea in their heads that maybe there's more to it than that, that maybe it's better than working on the farm during that time period. If you know what, you know, what life was like, if you happen to have some background in the area, you can kind of make it clear to those listening that maybe this teacher isn't, 100% honest or doesn't know 100% of yeah. their stuff. And Absolutely. if you do it in a, in a respectful way, a lot of times the teachers will, you'll be a favorite student because to be honest, it, uh, government school is so god-awful boring that most people just don't participate because it's just not engaging. Sure, There's one form of teaching and it re- that they teach and it's not very appealing to anybody. But if you can actually make yourself seem engaged, even if you're being contrary, as long as you're actually doing it within the guidelines of the class, they're probably going to welcome that debate. So it's it's almost like an invitation to to bring your ideas forward right. and talk about liberty. Smart people do want to, you know, they, they a lot of times do want to discuss ideas and, you know, see, you know, which ones do better. And, and if you can discuss an idea without being a jerk, I think you can, uh, you know... It, 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 Absolutely. It, it helps your cause. And, and there's no harm done. I mean, the fact is, if you sit back and you, you're quiet, uh, even if you don't know a whole lot... By speaking up, you are going to make a difference. You're going to have a, a conversation that could help other people that are watching that, that conversation. Odds are you're not going to convince your teacher to, to all of a sudden discover liber- liberty and reject his, his uh, socialist ways. Uh, but there are, there's a very good chance that you could help influence one of your classmates to perhaps come up and ask you some questions after class and do a little bit of investigation of their own. And, and that's what's important. Well, uh, yeah, and it's not all status either. I, I did run into a couple teachers in high school who I would consider pro-liberty. Oh, they're out there. And, and, you know, and that was refreshing to talk to them about it. No doubt about it. No doubt. So don't withhold your opinions from uh, from the classroom environment because, you know, again, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to kick you out of the government school? Oh, no. Whatever will you do? I mean, they're not going to kick you out over saying something in class either. Well, as long so. as it's not something, you know, just threatening or uh, vulgar. Yeah. Well, I don't think anyone ever suggested that, Mark. Nope, I'm just making sure that you understand. And those establishment ideas that are establishment now of big government and progressivism, those were ideas that, that were a very fringe minority viewpoint, and people talked about them. The, the progressive movement was named the progressive movement for a good reason. It took, like, a hundred years for it really to take full effect. It, it started in the 1800s, and throughout the century, we've been seeing this creeping socialism, and that's really what it is. They mm-hmm. were willing to dig in there and take inch by inch. They didn't they didn't need to win big all at once. They just needed to slowly make progress, grow the government, grow the safety net, and that's what they've managed to do. So to reverse that, I mean, there's something to be said for just bringing up your ideas and trying to 
get more people to see it your way. So I'd, I'd like to discuss that what what you're talking about right there. Now I've I've bringing said up this, ideas. Um, no, the the um, the idea that uh, socialism and libertarianism sort of have this uh, co you know they, they sort of share. It's possible that we could share the history of socialism and that socialism's grown. And, and that will increase in influence, and, and, and that therefore liberty could very well, do, you know, follow the same path. I've said this, and I've sort of thought it in the past, but I'm kind of wonder, uh, coming to wonder. Socialism benefits the politicians who would enact the policy. Liberty does not bo- benefit the politicians who would enact the policy. You know, so it would, it, you know, they're not incentivized in the same way. Certainly, a politician can get out in front of a parade and therefore benefit in that respect, but you know, I that, just, that's I just certainly know. true. I don't think you should turn to politicians to to advance the cause of liberty. I think I think you can take a political approach, but don't don't try to turn to career politicians. The, the only thing they're good for is throwing out of office. <laughs> that's that's the. I mean, you're not going to win them over. The the people in office right now in Congress, unless they feel that lost the, cause. Well, unless they feel that the only way they can hold on to their seat, if they if they feel that the people in their district want smaller government, and they're going to vote them out unless they start voting that way. They'll make a change. To that, they'll favor. make that change so they can hold on to whatever teensy bit of power they can hold on to. Right. And then that way they can make some backroom deals and uh, manage to, you know, the, the little bit of policy they sure. do enact, right. they can manage to grease so, you know, their own policy. With enough pressure, yeah, you, you can influence the career politicians. What's a better bet is to fire them and put somebody like Ron Paul in there. But you have to be careful. I mean, that's the temptation is always with positions of power, even if it's a person with good intentions, the temptation is always to, you know, take a little bit more, use their influence. So right. if you're going to support somebody for office, only do it if, they, you know, there's somebody who you actually trust to, they want to reduce the size of government. They need to sign the small government right. pledge and is what they need to, to do. do it. Yeah. yeah, well, that's a, that's an excellent pledge because it, it makes the intention clear. Why am I running for office? So that my office will hold less power. I mean, just you have to make that your intent from the start and right. be serious about it. Even the uh, around here in Keene, when the, there was a, the recent election, I called all of the people that were running for city office and I asked them to sign the small government pledge, which essentially says, I will vote small government every issue, every time, no excuses. Did you get any signers? Well, Yes, Julia, my girlfriend, she signed <laughs> it. Uh, but the other guys, even the ones that scored relatively well on the world's smallest political quiz, scored in the libertarian quadrant, they shied away from that. They backed away from it. Well, there might be some instances where we'll need to do this and that. And it was just, you can you could tell. I mean, it was it's very clear. If they're serious about reducing government, they'll sign it. If they're not, then they, they obviously have an agenda. Well, if you explain it as every issue every time, but doesn't the small government... It's quiz, every issue every time. Doesn't the small government... I'm asking you a question. Doesn't the small government pledge actually say that, um, you know, essentially you, you can abide by it by, increase, by decreasing the net of government? Can you not abide by the small government quiz you, by decreasing government? You can't in increase net? a government program. You cannot vote for an increase in any in one government. program. So if I say, well, we need, you know, the town runs the water here and we need some new equipment, so um, I vote for $150,000 for a water cleaning pumper thing, and uh, whereas I am going to cut out. Two million dollars out of the school budget. You can go read it for yourself, Mark. I can't. I can't say for sure. Uh, it's. It's. If it is fairly lengthy. It. It. it like. It, if it is, they need to relook at that. Right. I mean, I. I think you could take a. 
an equally effective pledge, which is I will not vote to grow the size of government. I will not expand the size of bureaucracy. But I can see what you're saying. It, It could be tricky if, you know, from time to time you might have a situation like the floods arise, and at least under the paradigm we're in, where the people are going to demand that the government, you know, do something about flooding. You're, you're going to have to, I mean... What did they do last time? Well, well they sent the fire... Wait for the water to recede? Well, they sent the firefighters out. And, yeah, I mean... Parades and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People, politi- or bureaucrats running all over, milling about, doing crap. 800-259-9231. All I'm saying is it's a great litmus test because you can immediately gauge their response on taking a serious pledge like that. They're either serious about it or they're not. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. Hour 2 is coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. It's time to pick a candidate, a serious candidate for president, and start moving forward. That candidate is George Phillies. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message, paid for by Phillies 2008. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We go right into your phone calls. Talk to Dave in Ohio, listening on WAIS. Hey, Dave. Hey, guys. I was a victim of a victim crime a couple of years ago. What kind of crime? A victim crime. A victim assault. crime. Yeah. An assault? Okay. Yeah. And um, I took, I'm taking the case to court, and I went into the courthouse once, and you know those scanners? The scanners? Yeah, uh-huh. the, the uh, metal detectors. Yeah. I put all my stuff in there and walked through, and sure enough, they went off. So. They went off? It was my shoes. Your shoes? Yeah. Wearing metal shoes, huh? I guess. Steel toes, maybe? Yeah, I had to go pick up my paperwork. And the second time, I put everything in the container. Right. ran it through. I went through. It lit up like a Christmas tree again. Hmm. This time, I got scanned. You got scanned? Yeah. Scanned. Oh, scanned. Yeah. Yeah. So... I guess I have metal in my shoes or something. A lot of shoes will have uh, like a wire as um, support down in the the sole of the shoe, so it's not it's not unusual. Well, sometimes yeah. they're those little uh, the things that you wrap the laces around. Sometimes those are metal. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's enough metal to set off eyelets. the detectors, eyelets, and other things like that. Yeah. Uh, so, was everything all right? I mean, did, is that where the detector alerted on? Was your shoes the second yeah, time? Yeah, on my shoes. Yeah, there you go. Now you know. Yeah. All. Keep you up to date on what happened. You've got to keep us up to date, Dave. Thanks for the right. call tonight. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's critical. critical you, never know. <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of security, it's it's uh it's actually coincidental that he happened to call in about that because we were gonna talk about the next step in security at the airports. Mm. That's right. It could be coming to an airport near you. In fact, it is coming to an airport near us. Logan International Airport. That's the Boston airport. This is from Boston.com. Punit Pawar, a citizen of India, is used to going through security screening when he flies into Logan International Airport, so he barely noticed yesterday when he was asked to put all ten of his fingers onto a digital scanner as part of an enhanced security system being rolled out at airports across the country. 
Pawar, a student at Northeastern University, said, It didn't take much of my time, so it didn't bother me. I'm okay with it. This is what they need to do for security. And I imagine that uh, Mr. Pawar's uh, attitude is not very... Uh, uncommon amongst Americans. I imagine many Americans, oh, okay, as long as it keeps us safe from the terrorists, here, you can have all ten of my fingerprints. Would you like a stool sample? Well, I, I, if Mr. Pawar had said anything about it, he probably would have ended up in Gitmo. That's I mean, true. <laughs> you know, that's just that's just the reality of the way things are right now. He's Indian. That's close enough to uh, the Middle East and uh, put him in jail. Since 2004, international travelers have been required to follow or to allow airport personnel to scan their two index fingers at airports as part of a program called U.S. Visit. But now foreign travelers will be asked to scan all ten fingers, an enhancement the U.S. Department of Homeland Security hopes will help officials more closely monitor its watch lists of suspected terrorists, criminals, and immigration violators. Now, they are saying this is only going to be for international visitors at this point. And I don't know if they have any overt plans to roll this out for everybody. I don't see why they wouldn't. But think about it this way. They're probably treating this as a test run. They're treating this as a, you know, the international visitors as the test cases to implement this new system. Uh, and well, it, it remember could very well come the, to Remember, the 9-11 bombers didn't bomb us from international flights or didn't, you know, hijack airplanes from international flights. They hijacked domestic flights. That's true. That's Absolutely, but but the the security measures or the security theater where w- the steps we're taking has little relation to do with what would have prevented nine eleven. It, it it has little relation I, to do with reality. I mean, but, I mean right. we had all the actionable intelligence we needed, and while they had overstayed their visas, they came on legal visas. So yes. it it wasn't as if oh we need to tighten up on people who don't have visas. Well that, well, that had nothing to do with it. Well, your observations are correct. It that won't matter to most Americans. They. They won't notice, and all they'll see is, oh, more security. That's a good thing. Security, yeah. Well, we need that. There's many, plenty of them mutter when they go through. Sure. But I'm not. I'm not sure we'll see the fingerprints for domestic passengers anytime soon. Well, now I don't know because the federal government is trying to implement the real ID system on a federal level, and we all know that they can arbitrarily declare anything they want to to be part of that card. So if the feds decide they want to put some sort of fingerprint information or biometric data onto the real ID, they can do it. And so if that becomes typical in that you have to give them your 10 digits in order to get the real ID in the first place because they are going to require everybody that currently has a license to re-up to go and get a new real ID. Uh, so, therefore, uh, they could very easily implement something like this. If if everybody's already given up their prints to get the license to get the real ID, then it would just be a simple verification and another extra security check. The only thing that's going to save us from that, though, I think, or I hope, is that there are enough states, I think it's 17 now, that have pretty much either they've said they're, they dislike real ID or mm-hmm. they're going to opt out. And I think if you do see the fingerprint requirement added, that, that number would likely grow by quite a bit. Um, because I do think there's there's strong public um, sentiment against having you know your fingerprints on file if you're not already convicted of a crime. I wonder about that. That would make an interesting poll. Well, what does the public think about that? I'm curious as to uh, whether or not they, uh, you know, what they're going to do with these fingerprints. My fingerprints are on file. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, are we, are we going to shut down the whole terminal because I decided to take an airplane <laughs> ride? I mean, they could they could right. very well decide to do that. Oh, boy. I don't know. 
Time will tell here. Uh, let's get a little more information on the story, though. Logan, where two of the passenger planes involved in September 11th attacks took off, became the third airport to use the 10-finger scanners next week. Uh, or last week, rather. By the end of the year, the devices are expected to be operating in all of the nation's international airports, as well as seaports and border points. So what does that mean? If it's going to be at border points, does that mean you'll have to scan your fingers to get back in the country? No, the, well, the foreigners will. Remember, this is only for foreigners right now. Right, but it's it's for international travelers. I think it said for foreign travelers. Oh, it does say that. You're right. Foreign travelers will be asked to scan all ten fingers. Okay, right. so, so you'll have to have a passport, and the tra- foreign travelers will have to scan all their fingers. Which, of course, means that eventually they could ask for a finger scan in order to get you the passport, but that's besides the point. I'm even unclear on the passport at this point. I've heard, uh, you know, it sounds, seems like a million times now that you're going to need a passport by this date, and it keeps getting bumped back. I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be the first of the year. It was. Um, I'm pretty sure you're still able to cross with just a birth certificate and a driver's license. I, I believe you are correct, uh, though I think there's a certain point at which they're saying that you, they want you to have a receipt proving that you've applied for a passport as well. I believe so. I believe you're correct there. I, I don't know. They, ke- they keep changing But yes, things. you are right. They do continue to push, push the date back. And the reason for that is once they change the rules, all of the people that do international travel for, a bu- for business or personal purposes freaked out, realizing they had to, you know, instead of just being able to come back from Canada, they'd have to have a passport. So they, they went through the process of getting one, which burdened the passport bureaucracy even more than it's already burdened. And they just couldn't hire enough bureaucrats in enough time to, uh, to get all the... The paperwork done because it's the government and they're inefficient and slow and just awful. Robert Mockney, director of the U.S. Visit Program, said the new device scans fingerprints from travelers and within a matter of seconds matches them against more than 3.2 million fingerprints of people in the FBI and Department of Defense databases. Mockney said going from two fingerprints to ten improves matching accuracy and reduces the number of false matches. Well, yeah, I guess that's a valid point. If you're going to be matching people's fingerprints, you do want to make it as accurate as possible so as to not uh, inconvenience as many people as you can, or as, as, as might be inconvenienced. Mockney said, uh, by having this additional data, the machine will be able to say with more certainty that this is the person, that this is a match. But what happens to you if there is a false positive? What happens to you if they think that you're a wanted criminal? Then what's the process like to prove you aren't him? What's that going to be like? Because we well, talked it, last it, week it about It happens the, all the time with the no-fly list. That's true. But then they just deny you a flight. They don't necessarily they don't necessarily detain you. But if they're claiming that you're a wanted criminal in this case because you link up to somebody's fingerprints uh, or, or the system scans you in wrong, then what's that process going to be like? Because last week we read the story about the immigration, uh, the, the Americans that have been held as illegal immigrants, and it is an absolute nightmare trying to get out of that system. I imagine we'll see some stories soon enough with this new program. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us, including the wiki, over 1,500 pages created by listeners just like you. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive, wiki.freetalklive.com. 
You can lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet. Check out this amazing doctor-recommended product. Go to FTLDiscount.com, read some real testimonials, and find out how to order. That's FTLDiscount.com. 1-800-259-9231. As always, you can bring up anything. Here's a a bit of disturbing news from TechDirt.com. Back in October, they wrote about a law firm that was claiming a copyright on the cease and desist letters that it sent out and insisting that it was a violation of copyright law to repost those letters. So, for instance, if you uh, get a C&D, cease and desist letter, for whatever it is you're doing, uh, then you decide that this is outrageous, you want to make a public spectacle of this situation, you want to bring some attention to your plight, you post the cease and desist letter online, for instance, on a website. Then the lawyers... From the company that sent you that, uh, the, uh, the from the firm that sent you the the letter in the first place, then proceed to threaten you and claim, hey, you can't do that. That cease and desist letter is copyrighted. Mm-hmm. You can't repost. That's a that's another violation. Well, now they're saying here, uh, it's it's long been believed that cease and desist letters that have no new creative expression and are merely boilerplates are likely not covered by copyright. On top of that, preventing someone from copying a cease and desist letter or posting it on their own website seems like a pretty severe First Amendment violation. In fact, uh, there have been some groups that have hit back against the law firm's claims, but surprisingly, or maybe not so surprisingly, depending on your viewpoint, uh, the a judge has apparently now agreed that you can copyright cease and desist letters in America. The news was announced in a press release by the lawyer in question, who claims this means he can now sue any time someone posts one of his cease and desist letters. He also goes on to slam those who believe free speech means being able to talk about the fact that a company is bullying them, saying, The publication of cease and desist letters is an easy way for scofflaws to generate online mobosphere support for illegal activity, and until today many businesses have been hesitant to take action to address some of the lawlessness online because of possible retaliation and attacks. To which I would respond, the copywriting of cease and desist letters is an easy way for law firms to bully small companies who've committed no wrong, but who have no real recourse to fight back against an attempt to shut them up via legal threat. Until today, many companies who are being unfairly attacked by companies and law firms misusing cease and desist letters to prevent opinions from being stated had a reasonable recourse to such attacks and could draw attention to law firms that use such bullying tactics to mute any criticism. This is an unfortunate ruling and can only serve to create a serious chilling effect on free speech. So it says here they're claiming that the original press release appears to have been an exaggeration, taking the court's decision out of context. But nonetheless, a pretty disturbing case here that that may have uh, some implications into the future. Hmm. Thought I'd bring that to you. I can, I can hardly imagine that that's so. <laughs> well, it, they, they are saying here there has been an update. Let me click that in here because this is brand new as of uh, as of me bringing this up. If you want to comment on this, 800-259-9231, their update here says that the firm was also the law firm that filed a lawsuit against a gripes site accusing the site of defamation. It's also the same lawyer who claimed that the HTML on his website was covered by copyright and banned people from viewing it. Given all of that... I certainly should have known better than to take the lawyer's press release at face value. Thankfully, someone helped clear up the situation. The lawsuit the lawyer was referring to was not the one that had originally gained attention over the question of copyrights on cease and desist, but a different and much more complicated case, which he wrote about last month. 
says here, as Gratz explains, this latest ruling in that case simply stated that since the cease and desist had been registered at the copyright office, the firm had met the low prima facie bar to show infringement. Basically, all the court said was that if the letter had been successfully registered at the copyright office, then the copyright holder had ticked off the necessary checkmark to move the case forward. That doesn't mean that cease and desist are automatically copyrightable. It does not mean that post... It does not mean that posting a cease and desist you receive is not protected under fair use. Also in that same case, the judge later denied using the copyright claim to unmask the anonymous blogger they were trying to reveal. Of course, Gratz also notes that, uh, notes that Dozier conveni- conveniently left out the part of the edited version of the court's decision he uploaded to his site. So while it's still not a great decision, it's not as crazy as it originally sounded. Uh, so it sounds like you can you can copyright a cease and desist letter, but you have to actually go through a process, process in order copyright. to do that. Right, and it doesn't mean your copyright's going to hold up in court. From what I'm hearing, it just means that if you've copyrighted it, you can you can challenge and say, if it's reposted and say that that reposting was a violation of copyright. Doesn't mean you're going to win, but it means you can challenge it. You actually have a complaint as far as the court's concerned. Right. But so, that, that still means that if if a cease and desist order is copyrighted, then a law firm can drag a business drag or a regular court person for into court. It. Right, which the lawyers are going to be able to afford a lot better than a small business sure. or an individual Or a person. website. Yeah. So either way, uh, it's, still a, it's, it's still a chilling court decision and one that people need to be aware of. 800-259-9231. Uh, to the email box, Sean writes in, Hey, I'm currently exploring Austrian economics, libertarianism, anarcho-capitalism, etc., and listened to, uh, ended up listening to your audiobook, The Market for Liberty. Although I'm not done, uh, done with it yet, I have a question about backing the economy with precious metals like gold and silver. Just as an aside, you can download this book for yourself. Go to book.freekeen.com, and you can get your hands on uh, a audiobook version of The Market for Liberty. I read it. It's an excellent book. Highly recommended, and it's free. So book.freekeen.com. His question. In a modern society, it doesn't seem to make sense. Doesn't gold pretty much only have value because we say it does? If that's the case, how is that any better than money? If the paper is a substitute for nothing, then can't gold be used the same way? He has some more questions, but why we should stop there to, to address this. Uh, his, again, he says, does gold pretty much only have value because we say it does? Gold pretty much has value because we say it does. No, that's not true. Gold has value because it's used in valuable ways to us. So we say that the things that gold are, are used in are valuable because they actually are. Because, you know, you've got gold-plated uh, connectors on your DVD player because But gold, gold had is... value before we had gold-plated connectors. I was giving you one example of why gold... Was, right. was well, valuable because it was useful. Largely, he's right, though. Gold, it, it's, it's somewhat useful, but the value in it isn't intrinsic value. Gold isn't, in, an ounce of gold isn't intrinsically worth more, more to me than a loaf of bread from, a, from, a, from just a existing standpoint. You can do some things with it. Um, you know, it's, it, it's con- considered one of the, what, the royal metals or something it's like a, that. It's a good conductor. Uh, you know, for, for a reason. It's not as, apparently not as good as uh, silver, from, from what I understand. For so conducting? The, that's 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 what sure I've read online. I don't know to, um, that for absolute okay. certain. I'm certainly no uh, chemist here, but um, the the agree. You can use gold to make jewelry, and people will pay money for that jewelry. You can use gold to make for connectors, and people will pay money for those connectors. You can't use that stinking paper for anything. You can't take paper, print on it, and bank. 
and make it but worth something intrinsically. N- but that's not what fundamentally makes gold better as a currency. Well, there's reasons why it's better as a currency as well. We can continue this, 800-259-9231, and you can chime in as well. Bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Features for free, including archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, just go and get them for free right there on the front page. Click and download. It's that simple. Freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does that does that bother you? It bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. The question came in via email from Sean, saying he's been exploring libertarianism. He's a little confused on the whole gold issue. He's asking, you know, in regards to gold and silver, why is it, he says, why doesn't gold, he says it doesn't make sense. Doesn't gold pretty much only have value because we say it does? Mm, Not really. It, It seems to me that gold has value because, number one, it's shiny. It's pretty, and humans like shiny, pretty things, so that's that's cool. Uh, but it's also scarce in comparison to paper, which is what you know is basically what the money is. It's uh, I guess the money's really cotton, but you know you know what I mean. It's printed uh, on. I, you know, value is is agreement. Uh, there's the only way that you can come up with a value of anything is for at least two people to decide on the price. Now. I I can name a price for something. I say my car is worth $10,000. You've seen my car, Ian. Is it worth $10,000 to you? Which one? The red one. <laughs> so no, right? Um no. now that's that's just a price. The value You'd be lucky of that to get a car grand for that thing when you sell it. Right. It it's a fine car and unfortunately it's worth far more to me than it is to anyone else Yeah. because it's got 45,000 miles on it. It's a junker and there's nothing spectacular about it, but uh, you know, it, it's fine for going the half mile between my house and yours, mm-hmm. which is largely the only place it goes. It's it's essentially a bicycle that's enclosed. But um <laughs> the um, you know, value is when people decide on a price together, and then you sure. know, a bunch of people deciding on the uh, prices together, coming up with it. But, then but sort of scarcity comes up... is a factor there too. I mean, supply and demand obviously sure. is a major right. player. Scarce, scarcity is. A, um, a if there was a whole lot of gold out there, it wouldn't be as valuable. I, I just want to address his point that he's right that value is what we say something is. You know what the the value is what we say it is. Right, but it's not just you and I; it's everybody, the right. aggregate. And the problem is, is that you know, paper has always been cheaper than gold. Okay, since we've had gold and since we've had paper, and you I can't think grow been, gold. No, you can't. <laughs> um, so gold has a a long lineage of being significantly more valuable than paper. And just because we printed a bunch of crap on our paper and call it um, Federal Reserve notes doesn't make it more valuable from an intrinsic and sort of uh, um, you know long lasting agreement. There's value to our Federal Reserve well, notes. And with the printing, you run into into the whole point of the argument that it's not even the intrinsic value of the paper. A $1 bill and a $100 bill are the same size. They mm-hmm. have the same amount of paper, right. except for a little bit of different colored ink. 
they're worth the same thing as far as from a practical, usable standpoint. The real problem with fiat currencies is they can just inflate it by fiat, basically, but, but it's worth as much because we say so, but right. that, doesn't, that doesn't rely on any market agreement. Right, and, and that's that's why Mark said, even though you said it has value, the only reason it has value is because of the fiat factor, because the government has passed a law saying this is what you have to use. It's legal tender. It says it on the bills. It's it's uh, you ha- if if someone has a debt in America, those debts can be paid with the, to the some uh, extent, Federal Reserve notes. That's so, but largely it is not. People generally do not turn down, would not desire to turn down Federal Reserve notes. If they wanted to turn them down, they, the market would come into play on that. And you can exchange other mediums for goods. You can barter. You can uh, use gold and silver, which is bartering, essentially. Um, so, yes and no. The Federal Reserve notes have value. If you try to say that they're valueless, that they're worthless, if you use terms like that... Intrinsically, they are. Intrinsically, they are. But even when you say they're intrinsically worthless, people drop the word intrinsically because they don't know what it means. And then they just hear you say, (laughs) it's worthless. So it's not worthless. Please, give me all your Federal Reserve notes if you think they're worthless. Mm, Yeah. Okay, so they have value. I'll hang on to them as long as other people think they're worth something. Nick, during the break, brought up the absolute reason that gold is a superior medium of exchange than Federal Reserve notes. Well, there's only a certain amount of it. It's finite. It's finite. The government doesn't control how much gold there is. They can control how many Federal Reserve notes they issue, which depreciates the value and causes inflation. You, I mean... There's an argument against the gold standard, which in the U.S. we had a couple market fluctuations where wealthy people in the 1800s bought up a bunch of gold and then they'd sell it and they'd manipulate the price to some extent. But what they do is very... Chump change compared to what the Federal Reserve does. It's insignificant and it's very short term. And, And the fact is markets will fluctuate up and down. So if you had a currency linked to gold, it would fluctuate somewhat based on the market conditions for gold. But with a Federal Reserve note or any fiat currency, you see a steady depreciation or an accelerating depreciation. So it's clear that the superior system is to have something finite. It could be silver. It could be gold. It could be copper. It doesn't really matter what it is as long as it's something finite that people agree has some value. Right. Well, if tomorrow someone discovered a way to actually create gold from, let's say, lead, lead like the alchemist uh, then it, then the whole situation would change. Well, we can we can extract gold from seawater, there's actually quite a bit out there in the world's oceans, but it costs more to extract it. So there would still be a a practical limit, I think. Right, and it's not even so much that it's just finite, it's that the control of production is not controlled by a a small group. Um, The central bank. Yeah, the Federal Reserve is a central bank system here in the United States. It's not even a a government agency. It's a quasi-government agency um, and only a bit. I mean, there's there's bankers out there that decide when we print more money. There's politicians that decide when we print more money. They decide that your money, every time they decide to print it, they decide that your money is worth less because they're increasing the pool of money out there. Right. You can't do that with gold. Right. Right. You know, the the pool of products of goods, goods and services didn't increase the same way that the money did. So therefore, those goods and services um, become, you know, the the numbers on them get higher, you know. Well, there, there is something besides fiat currency, though. A central bank, we could still have a central bank even if we had a gold standard, they'd be limited by the amount of Federal Reserve notes they could issue. But if we still had a system like the Federal Reserve system, they would still be manipulating interest rates, which effectively, um, by manipulating interest rates, they're manipulating the price that it costs to borrow money. 
so they're creating an artificial cost or or cheapness to borrowing borrowing money that's not and, reflected by the marketplace. Right. Well, so there should result. be banks that, but but if it's um if the money is currency backed and there isn't a sort of a law that says that an independent bank can't you know spring up and take money and and that kind of thing, many Americans probably would find some advantages to independent banks. Right. But what what I'm saying is you you do have to be careful because we had a gold standard up to the 70s and we still have the Federal Reserve, so they can still manipulate interest rates with a gold standard. Which is why the feds need to just get out of the money business entirely and let the marketplace handle it. Exactly. Let's go to the phone calls. Jared's on the line in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Jared. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, what's on your mind? I think um, the there's a couple of reasons why gold is important. I think the first reason is because it was voluntarily chosen. By the marketplace. Through through the marketplace, right? Yeah. It was used as a medium of exchange because everyone wanted to use it. Just like you might use cigarettes in a prison, people in the economy in the marketplace tr- decide to use gold. And so That's everyone true. sort of decided that it had value. And it could be something different, but generally it is gold. I think the other reason is because, like you guys said, it can't be created, per se. People can't go out and start making more gold, so it's harder to manipulate it. And also it, it's very difficult to destroy, too. So it's not just going to go away. I mean, and generally, I mean, you can burn a dollar bill. You can't burn a lump of gold. Yeah, exactly. it's something that's very that's going to last a very long time, in g- generally speaking. So therefore, it's so very useful that that as a store of value. Right, right. It's 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 a lot more practical to use something that's not going to be easily destroyed rather than something that can be burned and teared and and ruined. And also, it makes it more difficult for the government to manipulate it. Well observed, Jerry. What they Jared. do is they issue these reserve notes so that they can manipulate any time they want and lessen the value of these notes and eventually get it accepted as currency by creating loss. Well said. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. And gold has retained its value over time. I mean, you may see the number going up as what it's uh, the amount of Federal Reserve notes you can trade for an ounce of gold, but the fact is an ounce of gold buys about what it does today as what it did 100 years ago. In items. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. Bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are for free. If you like the show and want to help us out a little bit, then shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Entering Amazon through that link will result in a percentage of your purchase being sent to Free Talk Live. It is that simple. You won't see it happening on your checkout. You just have to trust us. Enter through amazon.freetalklive.com. Buy whatever you need to buy for life uh, in over 41 categories of products. And get it shipped to you fast or get it shipped to you free via uh, Super Saver Shipping, which is available on a whole bunch of their items. Uh, but start your shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. We continue uh, the email here in a moment, but Dave in Montana's on the line with comments on uh, the gold situation. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live listening on KGEZ. Dave in Montana going once. Workers Unite. <laughs> Workers Unite, okay. Because... Uh... Doesn't, shouldn't the person that does the labor to get the gold out of the ground should get paid the most? But usually they get paid the least. Well, it's not a... Look, at, a blo- look at the blood diamonds. Well, it's probably not a very high-school job. Thing. I didn't look, see the, the movie, um, but remember, any one of those what workers... what happened in Central America and South America with the Spanish. 
they well, come and conquer. The, well, it all comes down to labor, man. I, it, it doesn't all come down to labor. It comes down to the... Remember, if I own a well, piece of land... Who owns the land? What do they do? They come and kill the people that live on the land and take what's under the dirt. Look what's going on in, in uh, Iraq and in Iran. Same thing. Poor people live on top of the land. Gold is... Black gold is under the land. You kill the people and you take it. Gold is a scourge to man. What? The real, the real value is what comes out of each and individuals. The labor that 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 <laughs> sustains the people. I I, I, I can't a, agree with you on this I have one, agree, Dave. No, I have an agreement with him. Uh, I can I can see what he's saying. Um, a, a person and an individual can um, yet can produce things like wood. Can produce things like uh, you know individually. You can buy a small piece of land, produce wood. You can produce ag agriculture, and those things are of value. Well, I, I'm not done. Go ahead. No, why all our jobs are going to China? Because they got slave labor, but modern, modern slavery. That's not true, That's, Dave. Right? They have fewer slaves than we do. They have fewer uh, prisoners than we do, and we actually employ slave labor in our prisons too. Um, they just have a lower. Uh, people work for less over there. And that's because their economy is different over well, there. They, Let's they get have you... to. They're kind of forced into it. No, they they're aren't. In they're in a Stone Age they um, system. You know, it's, or at least it's the same That's not way, true. Like, that's not well, true, Dave. I don't know where you, know, where you got your information from, but those people working in fi uh, Chinese factories chose to go work in those factories. They could go well, and stay on the well, farm. There's food course, there. Of course, you know, they got families. They want to... They want, they want support their family. It's still so working in a factory is superior say, for them. What I'm just trying to say is you're forgetting about a big part of everything, and that's the labor of everything, and that's the bottom line. Cheap labor brings greater profit. Well, we, we just... we just to pay somebody to do something, like to dig the dirt and move the dirt to go get that gold. Now they, they used to blow, take water and blow away a mountain and get only fine... Uh, move a whole mountain to get like an ounce of gold or whatever, you know. Dave, what do they Dave, pay you? We, we, what do they pay you? Well, I'm, I'm a janitor. I work at night. I, I get paid about twelve bucks an hour. Twelve bucks an hour. Why don't they pay you six? Well, uh, they'd have to get two other people to do what I do, you know. <laughs> and that's another thing, you know. It depends on how how good you do your job or whatever. Well, that's absolutely I'm, true. I'm just saying, Values I, I an chose issue. to work nighttime because I gotta I gotta be available for my child during the day. We we take jobs. Because Understood, we, Dave. But, but let me let me make my point and, here, and if you don't mind. Things uh, greater the reason, than 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 the money or the gold. Dave, the reason the, that you don't get paid six is because you could go and get another job somewhere else for you know eleven or something well, like that. And it if depends necessary. on the guy hiring you too. The guy that maybe the guy you know the guy uh, would pay less if if he doesn't really care on how his place gets cleaned or whatever. That's know? probably the case. And you it, wouldn't work in a place. Saying, you probably wouldn't saying, work for six bucks an hour. You probably would refuse that. Labor is being taken advantage of, and, it, and it's been the, that's the not true. Dave, you can't take throughout you, all mankind. I'm sorry, Dave. That's you I, can't I take disagree. advantage of labor. You could also well, make the claim that the businesses are getting taken advantage of as well by these employees that well, are getting far better deal than they should. Businesses are laborers, of course. Yes, yeah, some are going to take it because you you got to labor to maintain your business. You're you're a laborer and a, and another. So you got to then you got need help. So you got to find somebody to labor less than what you want to labor for. So so you you would create 
you take advantage of people. Some people would uh, take advantage of a poor alcoholic to to clean up something. Just hey, for, if somebody's an alcoholic, next, that's their problem. For the next, you know, drink or something. Dave, that, in our society, and even over in China, people and, aren't forced to work in the places that they I'm work. Not, they're they're choosing forced, that. But, that's not but, t- being taken advantage of. Be, there's got to be the Dave, was I being taken advantage of when I was an intern for a radio station? I didn't get paid anything, and I had to load vans well, and right. hang banners. Right, you, because you enjoyed it. That that was passion. You did it by the pay was was doing what you felt great coming out of you. So and that that's wasn't what I'm being taken about. advantage of? That's the real gold right there. What, you know what I'm saying? The real gold is what, what, what motivated you to do that for nothing or whatever if you go way back beyond gold and weapons equalized everybody before it was the the guy who could go out and and uh tackle the buffalo and kill him and bring him back or whatever you know what i'm saying and then he was the great one now now it's like who could take advantage of the most people who do all the work for him and then say that they're the great big powerful one well the the guy who can run a business or or sell a product now is is in our day and age the one who can tackle a buffalo they have they have the skill that is valuable to everyone else so they get the right, gold right. but and the, now it, it's so monopolized on on that that tackling the buffalo it, it, they, they ain't letting nobody tackle the buffalo, and you gotta like oh, join a club. No, that's a, that's not true. I mean, we have we have more prosperity in our in our society now than we we have at almost any point in human history. And I'm sorry, Dave. There's nothing well, I, inherently, seeing, there, Dave. I'm there's seeing, nothing inherently great is, about labor. I mean, it's good to have labor, Dave. Hold on a second, bud. In, hold right. on a second, man. Because there's nothing inherently valuable about labor. You have to do something valuable with your labor. For instance, if I go out in front of my house tonight and dig a huge hole in the ground and then fill it back in, <laughs> that might take hurt, me all day to do, sued. but you I haven't created sued. any new value, Dave. Do you understand that? you get sued. You'd have to get a in, you'd have to pay your impact <laughs> violate your impact. Well, that's a government too. problem. We were talking well, about well, labor. Dave, thanks for the call, man. I can't take it anymore. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. He has a point. Wait, wait, he's at the core of all that. I think he, he went off on, on tangents I didn't agree with. At the core of that, what he's saying is all the value it comes from what we do is valuable. What we're talking about with gold is basically an exchange for, for the things we do of value, for our labor or for the products or services we produce. But just because you work hard doesn't mean you produce a valuable service, Absolutely. just like you were saying. Right. You could, I could go out in my yard and I can pick up rocks and move them from one place <laughs> to the other. I, I could pick up those rocks with my teeth. It would You're be even laboring. harder. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, should I get paid more? Should somebody be obligated? No. Uh, you know, labor is, is not, unfortunately, you know, for me and my bad back, is not that scarce of, a, um, of an item out there. You know, the fact is there's six billion plus people on this planet. A good percentage of them have nice, strong backs and can dig holes or do whatever. Or they could get the strong backs if they needed to. The point is you're basically saying anybody can do the the base level jobs, you know, dig a ditch or, you know, pick fruit. Unskilled. Well, it's unskilled. You don't, you're not, everybody can do it. So there's a large supply of labor and there's there's a fixed amount of demand. And then you get into jobs, you know. Where you have to have skills, you have to know math and if you know physics, if you want to be an engineer, the, the only a much smaller number of people have that specific skill set to be worthy of hiring, and that's why an engineer is going to make 
many times what right. what somebody mopping the floors makes. Even though the guy mopping the floor might be doing more work, he might be laboring in a more intensive fashion. His, it's right. just not as but, valuable. But the, the, the fact is, the value of your work generally. The hard truth of it is, we all want to think that we're doing something valuable with our time, and pretty much all jobs that are done are are done because they're necessary. But the value of what you're doing in terms of, I mean, you can take great satisfaction from the most menial jobs. That's that's fine if you're happy doing it. But the value of, of what you're doing is set by how much you can get paid for it. Real quick here, there's one more question in the email we were reading earlier. How would wealth be backed in gold in an anarcho-capitalist society? The question's just wrong. You don't back wealth by gold. That's not possible. Wealth, uh, gold, and money is, is just one indicator of the amount of wealth that an individual possesses. Wealth is more than just money. Wealth is more than just gold and possessions. It's also ideas. It's also loved ones. It's, uh, you know, the power that you have coming to your, uh, your house. Uh, there's all kinds of different forms of wealth. So the question there is completely wrong. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show, Hour 3. Coming up, it is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com. The features are for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Coming up, uh, we'll give you the update here tonight on the Florida primary and how Ron Paul's doing. But first, we go to the phone calls. It's Matt in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Matt. Hey, everyone. Uh, I wanted to stick up for the last caller. I think his name was Dave. Yeah, Dave Montana. He's a regular caller. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I, I agree with the general perspective that labor, what something sells for, doesn't have anything to do with the labor that's put into it. And, and that's and a true statement. Forth, what's that? And that's a true statement. Right. And I want to put forth, though, that if those two don't correlate, the price and the labor, then something's really wrong if, we, if we're to have a free economy. That in a free economy, it actually does reflect quite closely. No, I, I, dis- I really don't think so. Um, you know, you can, you can make items, uh, for instance, um, you and I could carve a little man out of wood, right? You could have all the best wood carving um, uh, equipment, and I could actually do it with uh, a, a, a bent staple that I use in my teeth. Okay. Now, I would do significantly more labor and put more time in the carving of my man than you would in yours, and they would likely be worth very similar amounts, although I could put the label on mine carved exclusively with a bent staple from my teeth. You wouldn't be able to do such a thing. So, no, there is no correlation there. And you well, in, in, a, in a real economy, people tend to choose the best means to do something, and it, when people aren't, in other words, when there's a lack of knowledge, it seems like that's what you're describing. 
Then there's well, arbitrage opportunities for teachers to come in. And as far as money. lack of knowledge um, goes, most Americans don't know what makes their car run. I mean, you might maybe they maybe they have a rudimentary knowledge of what a uh, combustion engine is, but people don't need to know anything about the item that they're purchasing. They don't need to know why a toaster toasts their bread. They just need they know they need a toaster and they want the one with the best features that does the best job. I, I disagree entirely with the premise mm. that um, people. You know, need, want, care is important that they know um, how an item works or why it's, you know, got there. Oh, no, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, I was taking your example where I was using an inefficient means to make a product and you were using an efficient one. And I was saying that in that case, there would be an opportunity for a third party who's a teacher to come in and make money off of me by teaching me how to be more efficient. Okay, so in, that's true. In an, in, a, in an equal economy, you know, where there's no government, we would naturally see over time people's labor generally become about the same amount in terms of actual worth. Okay, so I disagree. Um, I'm, I am for a lot. You're, you're talking about a laissez-faire economy. I disagree, but um, I'm for what you're talking about. I'm for a free economy, but yeah, I don't see how... You're saying that in a free economy, you're suggesting that people who are laboring... Would be their their labor would be worth the same amount regardless of the job they were doing. Uh, yes, basically. Well, that's absurd. That... <laughs> I mean, the the fact is, uh, let's see. There are certain people, for instance, that uh, that fix machines for a living, very complex machines, and right. that's their. Let's let's just you know say copy machines. It's not easy to uh, to fix those things. You have to learn a thing or two in order to know how to do that. But this that can be a labor intensive job, and in that you're you know going in there fixing stuff. Whereas if you're just pl- plucking fruit off of a tree, uh, you know both people might be doing the same amount of labor, but there those those two jobs will never be uh, valued at the same amount. I mean, how could you say that? Well, if there's freedom, though, then if one job would get you more profit per unit labor or more income, then you would tend to want to learn to be able to do that job. No, now you're talking about learning. And learning is training, and training is not labor, okay? Now, training and labor, two separate things. Lots of people with strong backs, very few people train to do specific items. Right, people want to train, and in the marketplace, that is what will happen, is people will get a, you know, they'll start at the bottom of the uh, ladder of affluence, they'll have a crappy job that inevitably is going to have a lot of labor involved in it, and they're going to say, you know what, screw this, I'm tired of working so damn hard for a paycheck. I'm going to go out and get some training so I can move up that ladder of affluence and get a better, uh, you know, get more money for working the same amount or, or working less. That's why people that's why people move up in the world, because they want to train and they want to make more money, but that doesn't mean that the fruit picking jobs are all of a sudden going to start get paying more. That, that'll never happen. Well, no, I think it's like the garbage man where he would make more because there are fewer people willing to do that and there are better opportunities fixing the machines and doing the other things that you were talking about. There would be, I mean, you could see some upper pressure where there's more, more, you'd see more wealth created in the free market system. So you would see more opportunities to do higher paid jobs and maybe you'd see fewer people doing, you know, the menial jobs. But, and that would therefore drive prices up. But we have basically a free market in labor right now. I can do whatever job I want to do. I can work as a garbage man, I can become a nursing assistant. Mm -hmm. People have that choice. Now, I don't think you'd see that much of a difference um, in a completely free society as far as stratification goes. You'd see see less burden on, on the 
poor and the middle class from taxes, you'd see a much freer economy with more wealth total flowing, but you'd still have relatively poor people and relatively rich people. And there will I, always I, be a discrepancy right. in wages well, based it, on. You, you got to talk about factors. earning, not not just wealth. Um, you know, you see relatively high earners and relatively right. low earners, and there's there's just no situation that ever you're going to say that you know the, the that you're that you're going to take a. Uh, a, a, a doctor makes a gazillion dollars a year, and janitors make ten dollars a year, and janitors um, will learn to be doctors until the point hey, where thanks. doctors are making what janitors are making. Right. Thanks for the call, Matt. Yeah, we got to let you go. Your phone line is unacceptable. Thank you, though. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. There's that a disparity the... in ability too. Sure, sure. And, There's so and that's many. Make well, a huge so many factors. And it's supply and demand. There's only so many people with the skills. It takes time and investment of time and energy to become a doctor, and there's only a very few people who are willing to do that. So there's supply and demand in the labor marketplace, too. Absolutely. We continue with your calls. It is Kevin in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live. Kevin. Hey, guys. How are you doing this evening? Great. What's on your mind? Um, well, first, with what you're talking about, um, jobs, I live up here on the border of North Dakota, Minnesota mm-hmm. and North Dakota, and teachers, North Dakota, as you know, are like the lowest paid teachers, and yet they have the most precious and important jobs. And if you know of the whole schooling and how public schooling keeps dropping in its core values, and, and actually I think it's dumbing down of America. But uh, I have two daughters, and now my daughter is in preschool, but next year she qualifies to go to uh, first grade, and and I know Mark expecting. I don't know if you thought about this, but our daughter is unvaccinated, and now there's all these stipulations and all these threats that we get from everybody that if you're going to bring your child to public school, she has to be vaccinated. And I know that there's ways that you can get by it with morality laws or religious beliefs or something like that, but... uh, so I wanted to throw it at Mark, seeing that he's going to have a new one coming on. What does he think of vaccinations and children in school with vaccinations? I, I guess I don't have that, uh, that particular problem. I have no intention of sending my child, uh, little uh, Jack, to uh, public school. Yeah, I'd say uh, you know I'd say do everything you can to avoid sending your kids to government school. I mean, it's, it's, it, my concern is um, not only – I just don't want – I think that it's an a t- entirely unnatural environment. I know that some people are constrained. They feel they have to do it. Um, my wife is probably going to stay home and do the uh, homeschooling thing. And uh, I just I just don't like the idea of sending them off to school, especially in uh, formative years like uh, kindergarten through sixth grade. Kevin, any other thoughts? Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. If you care about your kids, do everything within your purview to keep them out of those government schools. Because those are, you know, that's eight hours a day that they're in the care of government bureaucrats. Now, as we mentioned, or as our caller mentioned earlier, we were talking about earlier, yes, there are a few people that work at government schools that are, you know, they may have a pro-freedom mindset, but they are in the very small minority. They just there just aren't very many of them out there. So you can't just hope that your kids are going to be taken care of by people that share the same value set as you. It's just not going to be the case. Your kids are likely going to be raised by people that are indoctrinating them. In many cases, very subtly, uh, especially when it comes to kindergartners or or young young people, indoctrinating them to the ways of socialism. And so, unless that's what you want for your kids, unless you want your kids to grow up as uh, automatons worshiping the state, then keep them out. Do whatever you can to keep them out. 800-259-9231. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there we give away... And they include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. Shrine.freetalklive.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or a living trust in minutes. It's fast and easy. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. 800-259-9231, the latest on Ron Paul in Florida here in moments, but first, to the phones, it's Paula in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, hi, honey. So I call and let y'all know, um, McKay's been called the winner, even though just a little bit over 50% has come in. Yep, we're looking at those numbers right now, as a matter of fact. This is making me so angry, I can't see. Anyway, the FBI said they are on this, they are investigating this voter fraud. The FBI? Yeah. On it. Um, McCain was the projected winner all along, so why is well, that he was such a predicted winner? As right, opposed to the... right. But how is there voter fraud? I mean, you can project with about ten percent of precincts if you have enough. Well, because to believe. I don't believe that McCain. That many people vote for McCain. I really don't. Mm. Well, uh, he was. He, I mean, he's run before. He's had a long career. Yeah, you must he, not live in the same Florida I used to live and in. And most Republicans <laughs> here that I talked to did vote for him. I mean, he won. At, it seems like people vote for voted for him to beat Romney. Would it be fraud if Romney won too, Paula, no, or only McCain? No, I'm just saying that. I mean, too many people here were for Ron Paul, and I mean, it's just we even heard around here said that he was going to take Florida. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that got around because uh, I I wish that I'd heard those rumors, but I don't think anybody around here believed that was going to be the case. And why would the FBI be investigating voter fraud? I mean, it's not a because uh, they know it's been happening all over the country. Yeah, but it's not nothing nothing that involves a actually crossing has, state lines. A federal law has been violated. Federal law uh, voting fraud yeah, is a this federal is federal. Thing? Voting is federal. Yeah. Well, you know, it's I don't trust the, the FBI. Fact, they, I don't know. They, Why do you trust the FBI to investigate this case correctly? There are some guys on that do care that work for us, okay? But the but thing is, work for me. I well, don't pay anyway, them. the thing is voting is uh, what the way they have done this with some of the machines is against the law. It goes against the constitution. Didn't Florida get rid of the electronic voting? Didn't Florida go back to no. uh, to paper ballots? Yeah, we did. Yeah, but it's what I'm. So saying that's not is, good though, enough, huh? No, it's what I'm saying is before this, it was you know with the machines before it was illegal. All right, well that's all that was then, and this is paper. now. Are you con- are you concerned with these election results? Or are you talking about what happened four years ago? Well, I'm, well, it was even just recently. I mean, they've used machines in some of the other states. But the right. thing is, though, is all has to be done by the Constitution, and they haven't been doing it by the Constitution. No, that much might be the case. Paula, thanks for the call tonight, 800-259-9231. But the fact is, the, the FBI is an unconstitutional organization. So what, you think they're going to go and investigate violations of the Constitution? Besides that, there's not any uh, provision for punishment if you violate the Constitution. That Yes, the Constitution is a set of rules for the government. That much is true. That's what it is. It's not a, ru- a set of rules for you and I. It's a set of rules for the people that are running the federal government as to how they're supposed to behave and what uh, very specific tasks they're supposed to be doing. But it doesn't say in there if they violate the Constitution that they'll be jailed or they'll be fined or they'll be impoverished in some way. Nope, there's no punishment for these things. So they violate it all the time and no problem. I, I do worry that we're going to see quite a bit more of what people saying what Paul is saying, which is people who 
really had high hopes for Ron Paul. Now that their their reality doesn't meet expectations, they're automatically going to scream voter fraud. And you do have to be careful for voter fraud. I mean, it's, it's yeah. possible. It can happen. And if you think there's irregularities, I mean, there were some legitimate questions about New Hampshire, and we're having a recount now. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. But yeah, it appears to be a point. Zero five percent margin of error, point zero five percent error at this point, and likely that's the hand counting. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it, so you really can't just jump on the on the voter fraud thing. Your expectations were wrong. Right, so and I think it's hard, it's a it's a bitter pill to swallow. Sure, it is. But it it you look like a kook when you run around and you say, well, my guy didn't <laughs> win, even though he was only polling at three or four percent. He got three or four percent, so it must have been voter fraud. I mean. The rest of the country looks at you and goes, you're not. And next yeah. time people, you know, next time you try to convince your friends to vote, they're, they're not going to listen to you. Let's look at some reasons why people get so lost and caught up in the, their candidate. In this case, Ron Paul is, is our man. We love uh, what he stands for, which, you know, I agree with him on 98% of the issues. But let's look at why somebody would be led down that road to believe that Ron Paul has a much greater chance than he might have actually had. Uh, first of all, if you're a libertarian-minded person and you're going to Ron Paul meetup groups and you're hanging around other people that are of the same or similar mindset and you're doing things related to Ron Paul, you're going out and you're putting out signs and you're seeing a large amount of signs out there, you're seeing you know what you believe to be a, a large groundswell of, uh, of support, grassroots support for your candidate, and you believe that's going to translate to actual votes come, come voting day. You know, it's, it's easy to understand. You've surrounded yourself with Ron Paul people. You're, uh, you, you've got a um, predilection predilection to, towards seeing Something Ron Paul likely. signs. You, you notice Ron Paul signs yeah. more likely. Uh, it's just like when you see a new car, you start noticing it around the, the, you know, the city that you drive in. Uh, so, so you're tuned in to your candidate. And of course you've got high hopes. You want him to win. And then when it actually doesn't happen, I think there are several reasons for it. Well, again, number one is that he just hasn't gotten coverage. He just hasn't. Uh, there, people that have run the numbers have sh- shown that he's gotten, you know, less than a, f- a fraction of the percent of what the other guys have gotten covered. Uh, the the, uh, the news organizations lavish coverage on his competitors. They're, they're still talking about Giuliani, and the guy hasn't, uh, he doesn't have the electoral votes that Ron Paul has. Right. So there's that fact, and that's a huge factor. Number two is that most voters are very, very ignorant of even the people that are getting covered. Even if they did see Ron Paul getting covered, uh, you know, the, the people that are voting for, excuse me, that's not what I wanted to say. What I want to say is that most people don't pay close attention to politics. So unless you're paying close attention, you probably don't know what those Ron Paul signs are all about. You probably haven't heard about Ron Paul. You probably don't even know, what the hell, who's Ron Paul? I've never even heard of him before. And, uh, yeah, if you well, don't watch CNN and Fox all the time, how would you know? And also, um, people... Uh, there's there's sort of a validity th- situation. Any jerk can get a Ron Paul sign and stick it in their yard, or um, you know, any guy who's got the motivation can put up a bunch of Ron Paul signs all over the place. And voters naturally know that. Mm-hmm. What what you know gives somebody uh, validity in their minds is a most importantly seeing them on the news, television mentioned, um, it, but not just television. I think television is a very big issue. Television advertising is a big issue, but seeing them on the news, seeing them reported by the news agencies is huge so it conveys legitimacy potential voters are out there seeing uh the other candidates mentioned on the news and not ron paul so much they they get that and this doesn't mean you have to be pessimistic about 
Super Tuesday. I think he's going to do well in some states. Uh, I've heard w- rumors that he's he's polled in first place before in Alaska. He could win. Oh, that'd be good. You know, so he, Florida was never a strong state for him. It just demographically it wasn't a strong state. It was he didn't have money to compete there until very recently, and he hasn't poured much money into Florida. It should be no surprise we didn't do well there. Even the the top tier candidates this year have to pick and choose. They're not you know they're not right. running full bore in all fifty states. Now he does have uh, a couple of new high level campaign staffer guys that apparently are real hot shots, and I think that'll do that'll get really give him a punch in the arm. And he that's, needs more money, but that's good and and that's important. We've already looked at the reasons why many people don't even know who Ron Paul is, so he couldn't possibly get their vote. But what about the people that do know who Ron Paul is, like your mother, Mark? Let's talk about her here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast. We'll continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Get interactive on the bulletin board system with over 300,000 posts. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all discussed for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs. .freetalklive.com. Sound money is under attack. The Liberty Dollar offices were raided by the FBI and Secret Service, and all of its precious metals, computers, and records were seized. Your help is urgently needed. Go to libertydollar.org, sign up for their updates, and register for the lawsuit. Don't let the government steal your money and destroy the Liberty Dollar. That's libertydollar.org. We're talking about Ron Paul's results, uh, not just in Florida, but in general, uh, as to why he's not doing as well as many, maybe many of his supporters believed he could do based on some of the things that they have been observing uh, from their personal viewpoint. But that's just the problem, is, is just sort of taking things from what you're experiencing, uh, examining what you're experiencing is not necessarily going to be what reality actually ends up reflecting, uh, reflecting in that. If all you're seeing is Liberty people putting up Ron Paul signs everywhere, you aren't necessarily seeing the whole picture. And the whole picture is that most people don't pay attention to politics. Most people, like me, are disgusted by politics. I only pay attention because I've come to the understanding that these politicians want to rule my life, and therefore I must defend my freedom. But most people are you know, pretty much oblivious, or they, you know, they, they believe that what's going to happen is what's going to happen, and there's not much they can do to stop it, or it's the lesser of two evils. I mean, they, they might have taken a look at politics in the past and seen that there was no one worth voting for, so they presume that, right. so they they presume and in most cases they're correct, they presume that there's still no one worth voting for, so why bother looking into it? So I believe that most of these people don't even know who Ron Paul is. They haven't seen his commercials. They might have seen the signs around town, but that doesn't matter to them because they don't know who he is. They don't they, they don't know what his ideas are about and so it just it goes right by them. It, it the signs don't affect them in any sort of in any significant way. So I think that that's the you know the major problem is an exposure problem. The fact is the the media hasn't been paying attention to Ron Paul at all in comparison to the other candidates, and so people are just unaware of him. But what about the people that are aware of Ron Paul? What about the people that are not only aware of Ron Paul but also agree with what Ron Paul says? Mark, you were telling us before we started the show tonight about your mother in Florida. Yeah. 
She was supposed to go and vote for Ron Paul today. You talked to her, and she didn't do that. What happened? Well, um, I, you know, I was, I really had the expectation that she would. Uh, we had talked about it and the, the the philosophies that he believes in, and and you know, she pretty much, she pretty much believes the things. You know, she's a small government gal. She's a small government Republican, mm-hmm. and. Somewhere between the time that I talked to her and now, uh, today, when she decided to go out and vote, she was of the opinion that Ron Paul couldn't win. So she was going to, you know, wasn't going to win, wasn't going to, you know, be the, the, the primary candidate. So she decided that she was going to pick, likely, I don't know, I couldn't get her to reveal which candidate that she picked. Oh, I, um, you know, she says, I don't share those things. And I'm like, yes, you do. You just don't wow. want to share them now because you you don't want me to ridicule your uh, what you have to say. And, you know, she essentially agreed with that. And so, you know, and, and, and I don't like any of the other Republican uh, candidates, likely because I have picked one and, and you know, I'm running with it. So I really hate all of them, probably more than I would hate them normally. But she probably, you know, she she went and voted, and um, I I stuck out a jab against McCain before I got off the phone, just because you know he's my least favorite, and uh, I I think that she probably picked between Romney and McCain. So it was the wasted vote syndrome, which is what. So you've got the problem with no media exposure, so most people don't even know about him. But those who do know about Ron Paul and even agree with his ideas are having a difficult time voting for him because I don't know how this comes about. I don't know what creates this mindset, but the idea that you want to be on the winning team side. That's what the mentality is, that, you know, I want to vote for a winner because when he wins, I'll feel like a winner, even though they're going to screw you and take more of your money, and you're not going to feel like a winner then when the government gets even bigger than it currently is. No, no, they don't think about that. All they think about is the immediate, yeah, go, you won, and I voted for you, and that's a good thing I don't or think something. That they, I, don't think that, I don't think that's necessarily where people come in. I think. Um, what is it then? Well, uh, maybe, that, maybe that is part of the, the issue. I don't, I'm not going to uh, ascribe that feeling to my mother i don't know exactly what it is but i think that she's of the opinion that you're and unless you pick somebody who can win and put your support behind but he them can win right if everyone who thought the way your mother okay. thought voted for ron paul who intended to vote for ron paul he could win okay he's on the ballot he can win but there's a lot of people out there that believe in fact that sort of you know, he can't win philosophy. So, so it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely. Then. This is a huge problem. It is a, it's a huge problem, and, and she believes that he's going to run independent, at in which point she will vote for him then. But she wanted the so, lesser... So she says... The lesser of two evils... <laughs> he, can't, he can't win if he's running independent, Mark. If he can't win now, he can't win as a libertarian candidate. Look, look I, it, Ian, I understand. I know what you're talking about. But, yeah. I, you know, all I'm saying is that there's people out there, and I'm trying to uh, understand why it is that they right. vote the way they do, and I don't understand. Well, I'm going to vote for the guy that I think is the best for the job, but I do understand why people vote for the lesser of two evils because for me ron paul is in fact the lesser of evils out there he's not the perfect candidate for me he's the lesser of evils i understand why people take that position it just they give too much in my opinion but i'm making the same decision as are you i don't think a lot of people look at as necessary necessarily the lesser of two evils they might not be crazy about the two front runners but let's say i really hate mccain and i don't really care about Romney at all. Mm-hmm. He doesn't excite me, doesn't annoy me. I, no, personally, I don't do this, but I think a lot of people who aren't really 
necessarily principled. They're just your average voter. They feel they have to vote for someone. They go, well, McCain, nah. Romney. I'll vote for Romney because that way McCain will lose. And if I vote for anyone else, it's not going to beat McCain. That's, it's really about trying to beat someone, not about who you're voting for a lot I can, of the I time. can back that up with, ex- with experience from the 2004 election when a number of my friends who in 2000 had voted for Harry Brown, the libertarian candidate, they get liberty. They get uh, libertarianism. But along comes the 2004 election, George Bush and John Kerry, and the libertarian candidate was Michael Badnarik at that time. And uh, I couldn't get them to vote for the libertarian. They had no interest in it. They wanted to vote for John Kerry because they wanted to defeat George Bush. They didn't want four more years of George Bush, as though as though four years of John Kerry would have been in any way better than four more years of George Bush. It might have been slightly different, but it's still going to increase the size of the state, still going to increase uh, taxes, still sure. going to increase tyranny. Uh, I mean, why they couldn't understand that having voted libertarian in the past was mind-boggling to me, but yet, nonetheless, they went and voted for John Kerry, and you want to talk about wasting your vote? There you go. Well, I, Your candidate lost. I think that this vote, uh, you know, more and more, uh, as I think about it, I really hate the voting process. Um, you know, Look what it does to people. I just, I, I hate it, but... I also understand why it is that people do what they do. I mean, if if, if the election came down right now, Nick, and, and the only four candidates were available were uh, Obama, Clinton, Romney, and McCain, who would you vote for? Obama. I'd and, stay home. And, and the reason is, is you're hedging out the other ones because you think they're worse, not that Obama's good. And that's just right. it. You know, but would you go out and vote? I'm. Eh, Don't let him corner you with that trick eh, question, because not voting if, is always oh, an ha- option. Well, you said if I had to vote, you didn't say would I vote. No, you don't if, ever have to if vote. If you had to vote for, if you had to vote for one of those candidates, you may stay home. Oh, I'd stay home. You just stay home, stay home. And, and not endorse any of them. In that, it, you, you, could I'd you consider probably, your vote an I'd, endorsement? I would write in yes. Yeah, blood isn't. would be on your hands at that point. I, I write it. Whoever I prefer to be, if I have a strong preference and someone's not perfect, I vote for him. Yeah. But it's less blood on your hands. Ian. I don't want any blood on my With hands. If you vote for Ron Paul, you're going to have blood on your hands because he's going to, uh, you know, uh, he's going to stop people from becoming citizens. He's going to do something about the border. God knows how he's going to try to fix that fix that border situation. Um, he's also, you know, got, you know, his his solutions. Well, are, stopping someone from becoming a citizen isn't killing them or uh, decapitating. You them don't or think that the border patrol kills them. people? Nonetheless, Mark, it's less blood. He, he's not ordering them to to do that. It's all it, all it is is the lesser of evils. All voting is. No, no. no it's, it's if you it's voted preference. for me, it would be the lesser of evils, Ian. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Is it? Would love your thoughts. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The SACL CAI toll free line. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. Only a few moments remaining, but just enough time for your call. We might be able to sneak it in. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. If you enjoy the show and want to help us out a little bit and make yourself look good at the same time, go to store.freetalklive.com and pick up all kinds of great Free Talk Live merchandise. In fact, we have some stuff that you can't wear, like the uh, like the DVD Classic Archive Collector Sets and the Free Talk Live Free Marketeer logo flag. And, of course, we also have Free Talk Live t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and more. Head over to store.freetalklive.com. Find out about our special offer that'll get you a copy of Barry Cooper's Never Get Busted for free with your order. So Value over. added. That's right. Value he- added. Head over 
to store.freetalklive.com. Ain't crap in this world free. All right, we're talking about voting. We're talking about the wasted vote syndrome, which is just a huge problem. When it comes to getting liberty-minded people, when it comes to getting people like Ron Paul or the libertarian candidate, whoever he or she will end up being uh, this year, when it comes to getting those people elected... Fighting the wasted vote syndrome is probably one of the biggest things that will will happen beyond trying to get our candidates' media coverage. And it's just, it's infected so many people who otherwise believe what we believe, who otherwise support our ideas. But when the time comes, when it's time for them to go and cast that, uh, that ballot, they check one of the boxes for one of the big government candidates because they believe that they just can't have so-and-so win the election. We can't have so-and-so win, so I'm going to vote for this other guy that's going to tax me just as much, but I like his hair better. Or whatever it is that's going through their, uh, through their head at that moment. It doesn't do liberty any good because you aren't voting for what you believe in. And if you don't vote for what you believe in, you're never going to get that person into office. They'll never have a chance to win. So we need to keep combating this. We need to go to the phone calls as well, though, because I believe, yes, Mike is on the line in Illinois. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. Mike? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, what's on your mind? Okay, uh, I just, I got two points to make, uh, I guess. I heard right before you went to break about, uh, now, Ian, are you disagreeing with Mark? You you think that voting for Ron Paul is not the lesser of two evils? I will concede what Mark was saying. I'm a super genius. He can't help but agree. Okay, well, here's my point. I mean... Ian, you're you're the guy who's for no government, right? That is true. So a vote for Ron Paul is for a little bit of government. No, so a vote for Ron Paul is self-defense. Uh, it's not an right. endorsement of what uh, Ron Paul's governmental ideas are. A vote for Ron Paul is to reduce the amount of damage done to me and my friends by the right. government. But it's still a little bit of evil because it's a little bit of government. Okay, fine. It, poor Ian, he's been his world's been turned upside down here. He doesn't, he doesn't even know. He just wants people to vote for Ron Paul. I do. I do too. <laughs> Me too. I do too. I'm voting for Ron Paul. You know, all the way to the. I don't care if he's not on the ballot. I'll still write him in. Uh, and I guess that takes care of my first point. Uh, my second point is uh, I don't see how in the world anybody who considers themselves a Republican can vote for anybody but Ron Paul, because if they thought about it... <laughs> well, they are. In I mean, if they, I mean, really, if they thought about it, okay, every one of them, except for Ron Paul, wants to keep this Iraq war th- go- thing going, right? Yep. Yeah, to, some, to a lesser or greater extent, yes. Right, and and even though it's not true, the, the, the appearance, the, the consensus of the voters is that the Democrats want to get us out. Even though that's not true, that's what they're portraying. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, if you're voting for something that 70% of the American people are against, which is the Iraq War, how do they expect any other candidate except for Ron Paul to beat Hillary Clinton or Obama? I mean, it doesn't make know. any sense. I don't think and, I don't think they're thinking about it. I don't think a lot. I think a lot of Republicans expect to lose too. They they want to vote. For, they think McCain's moderate on social issues, so he's their best shot. But I think a lot of Republicans feel that they're in for beating this year, and they probably are because every other Republican's pro-war, and it's not a popular issue. 
So okay, put the craziest, so, most, uh, most frothing at the mouth war candidate uh, up for for election. Basically, is their mentality. Well, well but, but so, sort of. But there's more issues than just the war. You can't just look at the war and the economy is coming up as the big issue now. The war is kind of faded into the background. Talk about a man that knows nothing about the economy, uh, John McCain. Right. right. He knows nothing about the economy, but he sounds Ron burned him in the debate, didn't he? Right. But but to some Americans, I think to a lot of Americans in Middle America, moderate Republicans, centrists. Um, they're going to choose between probably Clinton and McCain at this point. It's just a guess. A lot of them are going to choose McCain because he seems more free market kind of than Clinton. Yeah, talk about the frying pan and the fire with those two. Right. Good but, Lord. You know, he's Mr. 100-year in Iraq guy. Right. You know, I don't see, <laughs> I don't <laughs> Kill see all, how God anybody in out. their right mind thinks that, that – their vote for McCain is going to win them the president. But that's the problem. Yeah. These Americans, Americans are not in their right mind. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Oh, well, we're in it, trouble. It, it, we it, are. It's the it's sort of the homogeny and the uh, mediocrity that voting brings around. You know, everybody thinks that their ideas are great um, when it comes to politics or whatever. But then when they all get meshed together, what do you get? You get John McCain. Right. Mike, we'll any other thoughts? Pretty tonight? much anything that. He yeah. thinks the people want to hear Consummate whether he That's how not. they all play it, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the only guy who's not candy coating it is Ron Paul. The only yeah, guy who's I, not know, saying I what people. I will give Rudy Giuliani some credit too on that. I mean, he's. I don't like anything he the guy says, but at least he was. He had the cojones enough to admit that he thought uh, abortion rights should be. He's an upfront fascist. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He's an upfront like, fascist. Like Dennis Kucinich, he's an upfront socialist. That because he's dropping out. That's soon. true. I think my favorite quote from Rudy Giuliani has to be the one about freedom is obedience to authority. Thanks for the call. <laughs> exactly. Appreciate the call, man. 800-259-9231. That's, that's how Rudy Giuliani defines freedom, is being obedient to the demands of authority. Amazing. That uh, people, that this man is even in consideration that people that think that way, I mean, well, I guess that's what happens, right? People in search of power, they're the ones most likely to run for office. It's not really amazing. It's amazing that Ron Paul's running for president. It's amazing we have the opportunity uh, to vote for someone like Ron Paul, finally, in a presidential primary like this. I guess that's what should be amazing. And that we're not just, not just choosing from the usual crap fest. Yeah. Yeah, usually it's, it's uh, what kind of yeah. awful nope. you know, politician do you want to choose. At least Ron Paul's a heck of a lot better than the other choice. Yeah, you have a choice this year. And, hey, he's taken second in two states, in two caucuses. Mm-hmm. He did better than I ever thought he would do, I'm gonna to vote be honest. I'm, so. They've got another money bomb on uh, February the 1st for uh, Ron and uh, his yeah. wife, Betty. I have Carol. No, Carol. Carol. Carol, Georgia. Suzanne, whatever her name is. Uh, their anniversary, and uh, so I'm going to send them some money for their anniversary. I, I'm glad that the campaign hired these two uh, hotshots. I don't know who they are. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm no expert on political hotshots, and the less I know about them, the better. But it seems to me the campaign's moving in the direction I want it to. As far as I'm concerned, they can have some more money. You know, and you want to call if you want to call Ron Paul evil to some extent, then I, I see where you're coming from on that. But would really, you call me evil finding, to some extent? You you have the you certainly have the audacity to call me a fascist finding, right here on the air. That's just for effect, Mark, and you know that. Uh, look, finding the things that he's evil on is very very difficult. It I is. mean, the first thing he's going to do when he gets elected is to pardon nonviolent drug offenders. I've I heard that over the weekend. Uh, so that's not evil. Uh, withdrawing the troops from around the world, bringing them home, that's not evil at all. I mean, in the, in the issues I disagree with him on, he doesn't. You know, one's abortion, and that's just a personal viewpoint because he doesn't want the federal government to be involved in that. So there's no real disagreement there. 
and then uh, immigration, which I believe he's pandering on, because I've read his positions from 1988, and he was a true libertarian at that time. It's just that he understands he can't come out and say, open the borders, and have any chance for, I think he, uh, for Americans I think he would enforce. For. I think he'd be honest. I think he'd enforce the borders. More Maybe, but I could he only assume to, he's being honest. But he also wants to end welfare, and he's talked about in speeches and on this show that if you end welfare, then he 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 has said that people would want immigrants to come here, and that's what should happen. But he still believes in government. To have government, you need taxes, and taxes are theft. He uh, does, well, we believe he believes in government, but I, I'd like to ask him no, about I, that. No, I think he does. I think he believes in a very very small. I think he really is a constitutionalist. Yeah, he might see right. it as an evil, but a necessary evil. Uh, he might only be a constitutionalist because that's what gets him elected. That might be his politician speaking, mm, you know? I, you know, some people some people can see that government is evil and but they I mean, also Harry, believe that it's necessary. That's well, how America was founded. Harry it, Brown is pretty much a straight up voluntarist uh free marketeer or was, but yet he ran for for office as a politician just to you know, to spread the message of freedom. He didn't run as a Republican. We continue here. Uh the King of the Mountain is on the line in Georgia, only about twenty seconds go. I got six points I want to make. You shouldn't have <laughs> Good luck. dismissed the China comparison to our labor force. That, and if you think that there's not people over there that don't have a choice about working at those wages, you're crazy. And um, the voter fraud issue, you made her look bad. That's an important issue. You shouldn't dis- disregard it. You should, you should call back on that China thing, because that definitely deserves more discussion. Uh, the fact is, the people over there are choosing to work. They aren't slaves. Just because they're getting paid less than you is uh, meaningless as, as far as their economy versus ours. More tomorrow night. Join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.